So guys, can you believe that we are only one psalm away from the end of our series? Right? I don't know about you, but I, I for one think it went by pretty quickly. Now, you, there may be those of you that feel differently. <laughs> uh, but I think possibly quicker than it should have because the truth is, uh, despite all of our time and effort in it, when it comes to studying Israel's uh, sacred hymn book, we've only just barely scratched the surface. We've only taken one small step and planted our little flag, as it were, like Neil Armstrong did on the moon, which is great, it's good, but it still leaves a whole universe left out there to explore. And today's psalm and its text is no exception to that because it is jam-packed with meaning from two major themes in God's Word, and like all the rest of the Bible, points us inexorably to the Messiah, to Jesus. To Jesus, our risen, conquering King. And that's a good place to be on this particular Lord's Day. This second Sunday of Eastertide that builds on the good news we celebrated last week that our Lord Jesus, who was once dead, is now alive. Amen, Amen somebody. Amen. Right? A day that helps us uh, pull together the tensions between those two extremes, that tension between our understanding of the soul-jarring, jagged-edged reality of Christ's sacrifice on the one hand, and the, the pure joy that just fills our hearts so full of resurrection hope on the other that it seems impossible that we don't just all break out in laughter. And not the, not the silly, uh, superficial little snickering kind, but the full-throated, holy sort of laughter that overflows from the revolutionary, radical, crazy kind of love that sent our Lord Jesus to the cross, but that just as suddenly three days later raised him to life again in the empty tomb of Easter. And it's that, that tension between those two extremes that we celebrate every year at this same time, between those competing realities of despair and joy. And that's right at the heart of this penultimate psalm that we're going to be considering today, this psalm 149. And so I hope you have your Bibles with you, and I invite you to turn there with me. And our psalmist says today, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with the tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exalt in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their throats. And two-edged sword in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. To execute on them the judgment written. This is honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. And brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord for us today. So let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for uh, your word uh, delivered by the ministry of your Holy Spirit uh, through the prophets and apostles, uh, written for us so that we can open it up today, that we can expound it, we can study it. But Father, we can't uh, latch on to any of that without the movement of your Holy Spirit. So we ask for that Holy Spirit to infuse uh, the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, 
that they would be acceptable in your sight and you would open the hearts and minds of every hearer today uh, in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Uh, We want to see him today, Father. Amen. Amen. You know, as we... As we read through the text of today's psalm, I'm sure you picked up on that really like hard left turn it took in the middle, right? That, that big shift from the joyful songs at the beginning uh, to the really, the really hard images of two-edged swords and, and punishing enemies at the end, right? Uh, but I guess that's, that's really a lot like everyday life, isn't it? As we experience the, the ebbs and flows of our existence, because I'm sure um, we, we've all experienced... Uh, joy and gladness one minute, only to be hit with the, the disheartening gut punch of difficulties the next, right? And, and often, uh, it comes to us without any warning. It's kind of like the uh, pastor I read about who, he came up with this really great idea for church growth. He was, he was thrilled about it, and, and he wanted to implement it right away. And so, uh, at the end of his sermon, he announced that he wanted to meet with the, the church board following the benediction. Uh, and so worship ended, and he went and sat down in the church conference room, just, just beaming with excitement. But to his surprise, the first man to, to arrive for the meeting was a total stranger. And the pastor said, to him, I'm sorry, sir, you, you must have misunderstood the announcement. This meeting is, is for the board. And the man said, yeah, I know, that's why I'm here. Because uh, if there was anyone here today more bored than I was, I'd like to meet him. <laughs> You knew that was coming, didn't you, Dad? Right. <laughs> but the poor pastor never saw that coming, right? But, you know, but I tell you that because that's exactly why it's funny. Because, well, maybe not unexpected, I don't know, but it was supposed to be unexpected. Uh, but it's that feeling when we're just so sure that we think we know what's supposed to happen next, and then wham, out of nowhere comes the unexpected. Like, like how... In Psalm 149 that opens with, Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, His praises in the assembly of God, and then ends by saying to execute on them, on the the nations, the judgment written. And then they say, This is honor for all His godly ones. Praise the Lord. And and, and if you find yourself realizing that those uh, verses sound kind of funny when they're read together, there's a reason for that. It's, It's intentional. And again, like all of Scripture, designed to direct us not only to God, but to disclose His ultimate goal, which is the victory of His Son. A victory of His Son over the forces of this present darkness. And a victory that will result in a verdict of righteous judgment against the wicked, and at the same time will mean the joyful liberation of the children of light. And that that collision of realities is actually... Uh, the, the final outcome that this whole collection of poetic hymns in the book of Psalms has been heading us to since we started. And that actually today uh, pulls it all together like opposite ends of a shoestring cinch up a boot. Because today's message is all about tying together Psalm 2 from the beginning with the theme of Psalm 149 today. So if you have your Bibles, keep your finger in today's text and flip back with me to, to Psalm 2 that's directly connected to this one today and provides the ultimate setup for the last laugh that God the Father has at the expense of the enemies of his people. And I promise just because we're reading this doesn't mean we're going to start again. So this is... <laughs> but if you're looking at Psalm 2, so just, and just parenthetically before we get into it, just, just keep in mind this is the idea 
uh, of this whole book. It's not just a loose collection. It's tying together Psalm 149, now back with Psalm 2. Uh, Psalm 2 says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to my Lord, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So I hope, I hope you caught the linkage between those two psalms, between our Lord's vengeance on the nations from Psalm 149 and the fact that that vengeance comes on them as a result of what we just read, the kings and rulers of the earth taking counsel together against him. Uh, along with the truth that despite all of their, their raucous rebellion and their sputtering rage, uh, that he who sits in heaven just laughs. Right? The Lord holds them in derision, which is precisely the point of Holy Humor Sunday and this joyful reality of the resurrection because it displays to the universe that although the forces of this world gave rebellion their best shot on Good Friday and killed the Messiah, God raises him from the dead and enthroned him in Zion. Right? Amen. And that's not just my opinion. That's not just my own personal interpretation. I want to show you how the Apostle Paul cites all of this in Acts chapter 13. He says, Brothers, Sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God. To us has been sent the message of salvation for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they had found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now witnesses to his people. And, and we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus as also it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. I will give you the holy and sure blessing of David. You will not let your holy one see corruption. So let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything you could not be freed from by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work you will not believe even if one tells it to you. 
See, and that happened as God used the very anger and rage of his opponents to, de to defeat them and to reconcile the world to himself all at the same time. And in the process, had the last laugh after all, didn't he? Right? And you've got to kind of picture this here with me. Like, you know, picture Caiaphas, the high priest, and, and all of his crowd, and, and Pilate, and Herod, and all of theirs, you know, sitting really smugly in this ridiculous state of grave and dignified self-congratulation over the death of Jesus, uh, thinking now that they've done their religious and, and civil duty by disposing once and for all of a man they considered a dangerous troublemaker. And so now they thought with him safely dead and with proper decorum restored, they can concentrate once more on what really matters the most to them, those really serious matters to which their lives were dedicated and that was lining their pockets with money and staying in power. But you see, behind their backs, without them having the slightest inkling of what was going on, their very action and participation in the death of our Lord had a big hand in bringing about the very thing that they feared the most, the triumph of Jesus and the recognition of His Lordship and His ultimate authority and His power to, as we read today, bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. And so now the joke, as it were, is on them, right? And the disciples of Jesus who are hiding out in fear and sadness are about to receive a surprise guest that will put a smile on their faces that nothing in the world could ever wipe away. That's what we read in John chapter 20. Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Because you see, when Jesus shows up, everything changes. When Jesus shows up, he brings you a new perspective. When Jesus shows up, he brings peace and joy with him. And the disciples must have been so surprised and happy by the sight of their risen friend and master, our Lord Jesus, appearing to them alive, they would have been totally ecstatic. They would have been completely filled with joy. I mean, just, just imagine it, you guys. Church, this is the resurrection appearance of Jesus we're talking about. This was the most incredible comeback story of all times. They would have jumped for joy. They would have hugged each other. They would have probably danced around a little bit. They, they may have even recalled the lines from today's text that we read, let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. And you know what? I'll bet you that day they, they laughed right out loud in joy and relief. You know, it's that, it's that feeling the early church fathers didn't want us to lose. They, they even came up with a name for it. It's written in your bulletin in Latin. It's Rhesus Pascalis. The, the German... Protestants picked it up a little later, that train of thought. They called it Osterlachen, but either way, it means the Easter laugh. Uh, and it's mentioned in the great writings of the early church fathers, uh, theologians like Augustine and Gregory of Nyssa and John Chrysostom. Uh, and that theme of the joy and holy laughter that the resurrection of Jesus inspired has been passed down to us through the ages, including uh, from the great reformer Martin Luther who wrote, God is not a God of sadness, but the God of this world, the devil is. Christ is a God of joy, and it is pleasing to our dear God whenever one rejoices or laughs from the bottom of their hearts. 
You see, that's why in the early centuries of Christianity, the Easter celebrations went on for days, oftentimes for a whole week. And that happened because, because recognizing, as the early church did, that our worship should be characterized by gladness and delight in the Lord. And by what one author called a joyful otherness, as they prayed and studied the Word and shared together and cared about one another. Uh, and, and as Acts chapter 2 said, they were day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes where they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And church, I'm so glad that we have that happening year after year right here in this church. I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever attended a church where I've laughed so much uh, and had so much fun, but at the same time, seen the Holy Spirit move among a group of people in such a mighty way. Uh, but, but, you know, I, th I think we can go even further with it. And we can have that kind of joy in our individual lives, too, except I, I know, you know, in my own life, and I'm, I'm sure probably in yours, it's sometimes a lot easier to be filled with joy and gladness when we're all here in the sanctuary together, right? When, when we're all here together. And then we start to, to kind of lose that as you go about your, your weekly grind at home with your own private worries and your big concerns and your nagging fears. It's kind of like a little grade school boy uh, I read about named Johnny who's after church he tells his parents that he has to go and talk to the minister right away and they, they agree to they say okay the, the pastor greets the family and uh, Pastor Johnny said I, I heard you say today that our bodies came from dust. That's right Johnny I did the pastor said. Johnny said and I heard you say that when we die, our bodies go back to dust. The pastor said, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you were listening. Why, why do you ask? And Johnny said, well, you better come over to our house right away and look under the bed, because I'm sure someone is either coming or going. See, Vicky didn't think that was funny yesterday. <laughs> but, but, but we can laugh at that because truthfully, aren't we all coming or going all the time, right? I mean, constantly in a frenetic whirl of worries uh, over the state of our life and over the circumstances of this world. But guys, it doesn't have to be that way. Because as Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes, there is a time to laugh. And I'm going to suggest that now is that time. The, the time to laugh at all the things that snuff out joy, to laugh at all of those things that pretend to be all-powerful, like the cruelty and madness of this world, and most especially to laugh at death. Not because we have on rose-colored glasses. Not because we don't care about suffering in the world. Not because we are immune to personal trials and difficulties, but because Jesus sweeps them away with the wonderful joy and promise of the resurrection. Because, church, Jesus Christ on our behalf defeated the power of sin that held us in bondage. And in his victory, that last enemy of the human race, death, is defeated. Making Easter into God's supreme joke over the powers of death and hell, right? Because now the Jesus whom the disciples had mourned as dead was not only alive again, but his spirit had so infused them 
that they could now face anything that life threw their way. Right? They could, as we sang, they could face uncertain days because he lives. So in other words, in raising Jesus, God had the last laugh. And as the old proverb said, he who laughs last, laughs best. And, and I realize, I fully realize, not very many of us, me included, were brought up to believe that church was a place of laughter. Right? I mean, t- tears maybe, but not laughter. And I, I know I shared this with you before, uh, but one writer has said, we Protestants usually appear to have been uh, not only washed in the blood, but starched completely stiff in it too. <laughs> and, and, and when we're so deadly serious, though, so much of the time, we can make Christianity... <laughs> It looked like anybody, anybody knows. Right? I know they're thinking, I'm, we're just sure somebody's having fun somewhere. Right? Right? But you see, when we walk around looking like that, we make Christianity seem more like a burden than a blessing. Right? And guys, the church, church, the world is watching us, and they're asking in the words of the psalmist all day long, where's your God? And now certainly our faith is serious. And the message of the cross is no joke. But at the same time as followers of Jesus today, we can view the tragedy of the cross through the lens of the resurrection and let it bring us a holy joy, a sanctified excitement, a lively laugh. And we can let our faces look like we love God and we're genuinely happy for what he's done for us. And and rather than allow ourselves the luxury of depression or the angst of self-pity, we can say to ourselves instead in the words of the psalmist, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation, my Jesus, my God, our God, your your God and, and mine. In the person of Jesus Christ, who said, blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Laugh right out loud. That no matter how rough life is now, no matter how much sorrow its fallenness brings to you personally, church, there will be victory in Jesus and eternal rejoicing and laughter and God's people will laugh and that laughter will never end just as we read in the words of Psalm 149 this morning as we lift up his praise in the assembly of God's people amen Amen. father God we thank you so much for the joy of the resurrection we thank you Lord that although this world and its people conspired against you that in Jesus Christ you had the last laugh over sin and death and over your enemies And so, Lord, send us out today in the joy of that resurrection hope. Uh, Put a bright smile on our faces and a light in our hearts that nothing can extinguish. uh, And it would make the gospel winsome and attractive, even as we share it, Father, in the midst of this world full of adversity. We ask all of these things through Christ our Lord. Amen.